Some years ago, I found myself watching one of those programs on TV where they always got antiques and they're trying to do valuations of them. Utterly bored with this program. But there was one story which just fascinated me where this woman was trying to see how much this uh, ring would be, would be worth. And the person said, well, tell me the story. And she said, well, it belonged to my, I think it was a great-grandmother. And the story was that as a young girl, she'd been given this ring for like her 16th birthday. And a few years later, uh, they believed that she had died. Um, you know, the family found her. and So anyway, they had the funeral and they took her to the cemetery. And as they were about to put the coffin in the ground, the grave digger noticed this ring, beautiful gold ring on her finger. And he said, oh, look, that's a waste. You know, there's no point having that be buried. I mean, that better be worth something. And so he convinced the family to take it off and to keep it. But they, they tried to take it off a finger and it wouldn't come off because it was you know, stuck on the joint. And so he said, oh, look, pull out a pair of pliers and cut the finger off. Which is dead after all. But the problem was, she suddenly woke up. Um, because she wasn't dead. She was obviously just in some very deep coma. So anyway, she... The funeral now became a, a celebration. And uh, as it was, she went on to get married and have nine kids or something and quite a legacy of this family. Now, I was fascinated by the story... But could you imagine how grateful that woman would be to the gravedigger? That every day she would look at one finger missing and just think, praise God for that. <laughs> what a blessing that is, because the other option would not be pleasant. We <laughs> you know? um, wouldn't even want to think about, you know, if she had woken up in the coffin. But there's something of that gratitude and it's, I think it's the power of this gratitude that we, we don't have very much in our world. And it, it, it kind of fascinates me how for so many people I meet and talk to, life is just this like drudgery. It's just hard. You know, you kind of smile, but you're trying to smile. You know, and you, you kind of just, every day is just a bit of a grind. It's just surviving at work. It's trying to pay the bills. It's looking forward to the next hope-filled thing, but as soon as that's done, you're back to, okay, where are we going now? And yet, there's sort of this promise of joy, which I think we've missed. Now, the thing is that you can't really know that joy unless you know what the alternative would have been. You know, once again, it comes back to that woman. You know, that she would have always had this horrible thought of what the alternative would have been. And surely, you know, no matter what came in her life, she would have had this joy of like, well, it's better than what it could have been. You know, there's, there's reason to praise. There's reason to be, to be grateful. I think this is what we need to rediscover as Christians. And it's very much what the readings today are speaking of. You know, in, in first reading in the, in the Gospel, we've got lepers. You know, leprosy is a horrendous disease. We don't, we don't see it very often, um, Years ago, I was working up in the Northern Territory and we actually lived not that far from the old leper colony, a place called Channel Island. 
And even now, people still speak of this place like, oh, that's that place, you know. It's, it's a famous fishing spot, but even then people are like, oh, why would you go there? You know? <laughs> so no one's lived there for 50 years, but it's still got this stigma about it because it's such a, a, a threatening, terrifying disease. These men, in being cured of their leprosy, it, it's not just the disease that's been cured, but it's actually their very identity has been given back to them. Because because this is one of the strange things about leprosy. Like, you have a cold or you have cancer, but you are a leper. Like, it's something about this disease that actually becomes you. And so, in healing these men, Jesus is actually restoring their whole being back to them. You're no longer a sickness. You're no longer a disease or a, you're no longer defective. You're now a child of God. Now, that's worthy of praise. That's, that's something to be grateful for. But the whole image here is really that this is us. This is you. And yet I think, sadly, we just don't quite realise that this is us. You know, it's, it's, it's very much a part of our modern world that it's all about identities. You know, everyone's got a particular label that they are. Um, and... So much to the point where people almost sort of cling to their labels because, well, there I'm respected, you know, or if, if that's a minority group, then I'm a victim and you should respect me. And in many respects, these things have become people's identity. You know, you fit a particular grouping. Yeah, and there's so many. I could even, be, even begin to start listing off some of these particular groupings. But I think what Christ here is trying to do is say, well, I want you to know who you really are. I want you to come back to discover your true identity. And while I'm at it, I'll cure the brokenness or whatever it is that's making you feel like a victim, making you feel insecure or, you know, like you're a minority group or whatever it is. He's wanting to lift us up, you know, very much to raise us up from a grave. That's, that's what he does well. You know, he did that regularly through the Gospels. He's wanted to take us from a place where we feel beaten and broken and you know, disrespected by society and, and actually just restore us. Put us back in a place where he can say, look, you're a child of God. You're not a sickness. You're not a label. You're not this or that. You are who I made you to be. That's, that's what he's coming here to do. He's come back to restore us. Now, it's kind of a twofold process. You know, they can... It comes from recognising, firstly, that, yes, I, I am in need of this grace. You know, we, we kind of need to have the humility to recognise that, actually, I need the doctor. You know, I actually need someone to heal me. But then we also need the humility to recognise that I, I'm not the one who fixes myself. You know, even, even where we sit today, I mean... Compared to the, the vast majority of the world, we, we are the privileged. You know, we, we, we stand in a very unique, privileged little bubble of humanity compared to where most people live. To realise that none of us made that happen. You know, I didn't make myself who I am. I didn't create myself. And yet, sadly, we can so often get caught up in this, this pride of, like, somehow... I deserve to be intelligent. I deserve to be wealthy. I deserve to be strong. It's all gift. It's all pure gift. 
Yet once again, I think this is where Christ is trying to bring us. A place where we can recognise that actually I'm not God. You know, I'm not perfect, as much as people like to think that. You know, you often see people wearing these T-shirts saying, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm so close it hurts. Um, <laughs> you ever see people? Like, there, there can sometimes be this idea that actually I don't really need a saviour. You know, I don't really need God. Um, you know, I can do this pretty well myself. You know, I can probably save myself if I try hard enough. You know, yes, I've got a few faults. Yeah, there's maybe a few addictions here and there. You know, a few mistakes I make. But I can do this, you know. Give me enough time and I'll, I'll, I'll improve. We need to come to that place of recognise that actually we're very much like these lepers. You know, and we can't save ourselves. You know, the thing about leprosy is that it gradually numbs you. And, and, and the real danger of it is that you start to lose feeling. And, and that's really what sin does to us. The, the more we get caught up in sin, we lose feeling. We become desensitised. You know, you do something bad the first time, you feel terrible. You do it the second time, you feel numb. You don't care. You know, so, so this is very much why this, this image of leprosy becomes a real image of our deep interior sickness, the thing that Christ really wants to come and heal us of. But we need to come to that place where we can say, I can't heal myself. I need a saviour. Yeah, and then this is very much what St. Paul is proclaiming to Timothy. You know, we've come to proclaim Jesus risen from the dead, sprung from the race of David. This is the one who can save us. This is the one who healed the lepers. This is the one who can raise the dead. This is the one who can come into our lives and speak healing. Speak into those deep areas of pain, those deep areas where our heart has become twisted and deformed. And that place where Christ can speak to us that actually you can become something glorious. You know, we need to allow him to really speak that word to us. But then the place where that healing really becomes confirmed is through praise and worship. You know, once again, we're... In, in both of these readings, where the person who's been healed comes back giving glory. That's actually one of the most vital parts of the journey. Because I think, sadly, some of us can be very much like ungrateful children before God. You know, we'll cry out to God when we need something, but then once we get it, we're like, oh, what a coincidence. You know, wasn't it funny that that happened? You know, like it, I always often see this when people, you know, sort of pray for parking spaces in the shopping centre. You know, like, they'll, they'll pray desperately, they're like, oh, don't worry, God, I found one. Here we go. Um, yeah. We, we, we fail to actually acknowledge the one who's helping us. You know, and, and when God does come in and start to bring healing to us, or even when he just blesses us, you know, in the most ordinary ways, giving us a beautiful day, giving us job opportunities, family, whatever it is. We can so often attribute these things to ourselves, like, well, I've done good, you know? I deserve to be wealthy. Actually, no, we don't. None of us do. It's pure gift. <laughs> it's all gift. You know, we can, we can end up getting angry at God when things are taken away from us, like when we get the slightest little flu or something. We're like, God, what are you doing to me? And yet the rest of our life... 
we don't even think about praising him for our health. You know, we, we, can, we can take so much for granted. And, and even really big things. You know, even when God does work powerfully in our life, we can fail to come back and give him praise, as these men in the gospel did. But that's actually the place where the real healing takes place, because the really deep brokenness or twistedness in our hearts is that failure to worship. It's that place where we only want to worship ourselves and only give glory to ourselves. So, so it really is this two, two-step process you know, of, of allowing Christ to be our saviour and to allow him to actually show his power in our life, but then to really give him praise and to be able to say, God, I'm just a creature. You know, you hold me in being. The only reason I'm here at this moment is because you're thinking about me. Every moment I should be giving praise. Every moment I should be worshipping. And worshipping him for the good and the bad. Because it's so often it's the bad things through which we actually grow and become who we meant to be. You know, we, we can end up being so selective in our praises. You know, only praising God when, when things are good. I remember years ago, I was on a retreat. And it was a beautiful spring day. I was sitting outside on a rock. And the sun was shining. I was just praising God, saying, God, you're the best. You're the greatest. I thank you. Your love is amazing. And then a cloud came over the sun and it was kind of cold and windy and I sort of got distracted and started looking at bugs on the ground. And, and then the clouds cleared and the sun came out and I was like, God, you're the best. I thank you. And it, it, took, it took a while, but I gradually sort of stopped and think, well, hang on a second. What am I doing here? You know, firstly, which son am I worshipping? Is it the son of God or the other one? Um, but, but you know, how selfish I was in that I was only going to thank God when it was good for me. You know, but to re- actually realise how much he was blessing me in every single moment. This is our freedom. This is where we actually become fully alive. This is where we start to discover the real joy. And as we, as we said at the beginning, you know, where we can go through life just with this drudgery, you know, always looking down, always thinking, oh, it's just so hard. If we actually just started to recognise the gift, you know, if we were able to learn how to wake up every morning and realise that actually we've been raised from the dead. You know, we've, we've been given the, the gift of life. We've, we've been set free from eternal death by the power of the cross. You know, just to start each day with that realisation that the alternative could have been horrendous. And to then go through the day with that joy. And no matter what happens, no matter what trials, sickness, hardship, whatever the battles, to be able to go with that mindset that the cross of Jesus Christ has set us free. You know, that we have been set free to really live now fully in the joy of the gift.